Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory to God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. This morning, our Lord approaches two demon-possessed men. This entire gospel passage is very intense. We already have demons. And not just demons, but demons that have taken control of two men. And where are they? They're not at the circus, they're not in the town square, they're in the graveyard, they're amongst the tombs. And the gospel tells us that they were exceedingly fierce. Can you imagine? Just put yourself in that position for a moment. The crazed look, the fierceness, and not just fierceness, but excessive fierceness in the midst of tombs. And you can see their crying out as our Lord approaches. Our Lord doesn't say anything, but they know who he is. And you can hear them crying out, wondering, are you here to torment us before the time? Demons, tombs, fierceness, torment. Let the intensity of the scene just sink in for a moment. The demons beg him, our Lord, if you're going to cast us out, cast us into this herd of swine. And the only thing our Lord says in this encounter is go. And off go the demons into the swine. And you can see the swine as they are possessed. The text tells us they ran violently. Again, this emphasis in the text. They ran violently down the steep place to their death in the water. This is not one of those nice healing scenes of our Lord or our Lord sits down with a child and tells us to become like a child. This is an intense encounter between the demons and our Lord. You can see the chaos, the violence, the torment of the demons, and our Lord's presence, calm, there, they ask, and he says, go. There are those who kept the swine who didn't have a job anymore. <laughs> so now they're free. So they go off into the city and they tell everyone, we just saw an incredible sight. These demon-possessed men are no longer possessed. And the whole city comes out to meet Jesus. And they welcome like a conquering hero, right? Thank you for freeing us. Now we can visit our loved ones at their place in the tombs. Now we are free. But no, what does the city do? They do the same thing that the demons did. 
They beg him to depart. I hope that I have drawn up the situation and underlined the intensity, the swirling chaos, the screaming, the violence. Did any of you ever see the movie Gravity? That's going to throw you back a little bit. I never saw it. The trailer was enough for me. This is Sandra Bullock and George Clooney, uh, the astronaut. Maybe some of you are starting to remember because I didn't watch it for a very, really obvious reason. I, I didn't want to walk out <laughs> or waste my money. That, just the trailer, I rewatched the trailer and it gave me the uh, down to my toes. Let me refresh you if you don't remember. Basically, it's Sandra Bullock fighting for her life throughout the movie in the dead expanse of space. Where's the possibility that she might get just set afloat and just float? If that doesn't scare you to death, <laughs> I don't know what will. This scene of the possibility of being set adrift without anything to hold on to, or the scene, this is me just from the trailer, so it's enough, <laughs> of her inability to know where she is, what's up, what's down, where she is, she has no idea, because she's just spinning. There's no gravity. She's just spinning. Can't stop. This is the same kind of chaos. This is the same kind of of violence, this is the same kind of despair that we encounter in the gospel this morning. Because this is life without Christ. This is life without Christ because it is chaos, disorder, despair, no sense of direction, only a sense of dread, of torment of violence because without Christ what is there without Christ and we can feel this from time to time in our heart where our hearts grow cold where the piety or the sincerity or the zeal that we once had has just eked away. And it's so easy for us to have our hearts grow cold, to get lost in the multiplicity of things, of concerns, of responsibilities, or even just the pain of suffering, pain that won't go away, pain that is ever-present, that overwhelms a piety that grows cold because of what we see and experience as lack in the world of those who should love but do not love of those closest to us who feel so far away or maybe the coldness of our hearts from a sense of shame of inability 
to come before our Lord, to be fully present to him. I know that you know what I'm talking about. There's this kind of thickness, this heaviness, this weight, when we know that we're thick with the world, when our heart has been feasting on all of the sickly, sweet, dead things. And Jesus seems forever away, like we are spinning in an abyss. Now this is one aspect, this is one way in which we can lose contact, where we can be set adrift in our hearts. And it's very normal for us as Americans to think like this. We think through our feelings most of the time. We pride ourselves in thinking. We like to make a huge dichotomy between thinking and feeling. But we tend to think and evaluate everything through our, thought, our, our feelings primarily. And this morning, it is not just our hearts, but it is also our minds that I want us to contemplate we celebrate the fathers of the first six ecumenical councils. And while we are familiar with the depth or the lack or the gap between us and Christ in our hearts, we need to realize that this gap, this abyss, this spinning out of control can be when our minds do not embrace the mind of Christ, the doctrines of Christ. Because without the words of Christ, without the teachings of the church, we're like Sandra Bullock. We're just hanging on maybe with some kind of thruster, something to get us back to the ship. But we disconnect. We embrace the chaos, the abyss, when we reject the teachings of Christ. This is especially important for us because... We're very used to our feelings, right? How do I feel about Jesus? How do I feel about the church? Not what do I think about Jesus? What do I think about church? That these are deeply interwoven with each other. That our mind and our hearts are not completely separated, but that they lead us and bring us to our Lord. If we don't have an accurate picture of our Lord in the kingdom... How do we even know what our hearts are supposed to feel and how the gap that it needs to be crossed? The hymnody from last evening for this commemoration calls heresy madness. It goes on in another hymn to say that those who teach heresy are revealed as oppressive wolves in sheepskins. That the fathers of the church, as true shepherds, drove them far away from the Savior's flock, having stripped the thrice wretched ones of their sheep's skins. Or another quote from another hymn, the Macedonians, and that doesn't mean the people of Macedonia. Right, Mark? <laughs> this means the heresy of the Macedonians, who reject the authority of the church, they were convicted. This is the church's constant warning. You may be thinking, didn't we just a few Sundays ago have the fathers of the first ecumenical council? Didn't we just have the Sunday of orthodoxy not much further back? 
But the church puts before us that what you think, what you actually agree to matters. And it matters for the sake of your soul. This is the church's constant warning from scripture. It's enshrined in our hymnody. And go back and look at some of the hymns that the church has for this. This is life or death. To reject the teaching of the church is to spin your soul into the abyss. It matters what you believe. And this is again with the fathers. Why does this matter? It matters what you believe because it affects what you do. It affects your heart. It affects your ability to love. Not love in just a blanket kind of cover everything, but love that is rooted and grounded in the truth. After our Lord had taught a hard teaching, he asked them, where are you going to go? And the apostles responded, where else do we go? You have the words of life. We have the choice of the abyss, the chaos, the torment, life in the tombs, or life in the cold expanse of that space that we referenced in the movie. But this is not where it ends. Although our Lord only says one thing, when the town says, get out of here, flee, the end of the the gospel tells us very simply, So he got into a boat, he crossed over, and came to his own city. Brothers and sisters, make the boat. Invite him in. Find the boat. If you have to piece together, get a sail, sell everything that you have, do whatever it takes, but get into that boat with him. He will traverse the abyss for you. He has and he does it at every moment for you. Fortify and make your heart and your mind his city. Because he wants to come and make his home with you. His city that you are under his protection, under his watch, under his care. So that you're not spinning out into the abyss, but that you are rooted, grounded, protected by him. It is he who frees us from the demons. It is he who gives us order, life, peace, and hope. There is no one else for us to turn to. He truly has the words of life. Grab on to them in the depth of your heart and shape your mind to them. Burn them into your mind so that you can be guided by his truth, by his love, by his presence. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.